Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. Poetry that does something nothing else does. It gets under your skin. It finds a way into your emotions and understanding that other things don't do. That's, and I, I personally love the poetry of the Bible. I quite like normal poetry as well. I find, I find it, it touches my imagination in a way that um, stories don't. Um, pictures do something for me. And I hope, as I look at this, the book I'm going to look at this morning and next couple of weeks, I hope that's going to capture your heart as well. Because one of the reasons I've chosen this is that um, I believe Christianity is a heart issue. That means it's not just in your mind. It's not just um, agreeing with various thoughts. It's not just in your mind um, agreeing with ideas or belief systems. I mean, it's not just in outward behaviour either, although that is obviously important. And it's important to understand things as well with your mind. But God actually wants to grip our hearts to love God. That's what we're called to. We're called to love God with all our hearts, minds, souls and strength. In other words, we are designed as people to be passionate about God. And so, if I, if I fail in my mission, then the fault is mine. But um, if I succeed... Hallelujah, may you be blessed this morning. <laughs> right, so, I'm going to read to you, I'm going to read to you, the first chapter of the book of the Song of Songs in the Bible. How many of you have, have you read the Song of Songs in the Bible? A fair number, quite a lot. Good, thank you. How many of you have ever heard a preach, a church talk on the Song of Songs? A fair number, yeah, pretty good as well. Great, excellent. Dorian, over to you. Uh, I'm going to read this from a very new translation called the Passion Translation. So it's going to sound a bit different, so I, I shouldn't try and follow it in your own translation because it is quite different. And you have three different groups of people speaking this. Um, you've got the Shulamite, or the woman, you've got the friends, and then you've got the king. The most amazing song of all by King Solomon, the Shulamite. Let him smother me with kisses, his spirit kiss divine. So kind are your caresses, I drink them in like the sweetest wine. Your presence releases a fragrance so pleasing over and over poured out. For your lovely name is flowing oil. No wonder the brides-to-be adore you. Draw me into your heart. We will run away together into the king's cloud-filled chamber. The friends respond, We will remember your love, rejoicing and delighting in you, celebrating your every kiss as better than wine, no wonder righteousness adores you, the Shulamite. Jerusalem maidens, in this twilight darkness, I know I am so unworthy, so in need. The shepherd king, yet you are so lovely. 
the Shulamite. I feel as dark and dry as the desert tents of the walking, wandering nomads. <coughs> King, yet you are so lovely, like the fine linen tapestry hanging in the holy place. <coughs> the Shulamite to her friends, please don't stare in scorn because of my dark and sinful ways. My angry brothers quarreled with me and appointed me guardian of their ministry vineyards. Yet I've not tended my vineyard within. Won't you tell me, lover of my soul, where you feed your flock, where you lead your beloved ones to rest in the heat of the day? Why should I be like a veiled woman as I wander among the flocks of your shepherds? The shepherd king. Listen, my radiant one. If you ever lose sight of me, just follow in my footsteps where I lead my lovers. Come with your burdens and cares. Come to the place near the sanctuary of my shepherds. My dearest one, let me tell you how I see you. You are so thrilling to me. To gaze upon you is like looking at one of Pharaoh's finest horses a strong, regal steed pulling his royal chariot. Your tender cheeks are beautiful. Your earrings and gem-laden necklaces set them ablaze. We will enhance your beauty with golden ornaments studded with silver. The Shulamite. As the king surrounded me at his table, the sweet fragrance of spikenard awakened the night. A sachet of myrrh is my lover, like a tied-up bundle of myrrh resting over my heart. He is like a bouquet of henna blossoms, henna plucked near the vines at the fountain of the Lamb. I will hold him and never let him part. The Shepherd King My darling, you are so lovely. You are beauty itself to me. Your passionate eyes are like gentle doves. The Shulamite. My beloved one, both handsome and winsome, you are pleasing beyond words. Our resting place is anointed and flourishing, like a green forest meadow bathed in light. Rafters of cedar branches are over our heads and balconies of pleasant-smelling pines. Thank you, Doreen. Father, we turn our eyes to you because we need you, Lord. I need you. I thank you, Lord, and say I love you, Jesus, because I've seen you so many different ways in your word. I love your word, Lord, because it's changed my heart. It's ravished my heart. It's enlightened my eyes. It's stirred my passion. It's brought me to obedience. It's, it's brought my will into line with yours. Oh, Jesus, I thank you for your truth. And I'm looking to you now, Lord, even as you have blessed me, as you've taught me, as you've excited me, Lord, grant me also this grace, Lord, that I can impart something of that to my brothers and sisters here this morning. Oh, God, by your Holy Spirit, take your word and make it live in every one of our hearts today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this book is, um, is basically a love poem. 
It actually, if you think of all the Bible like this, there's, there's sort of two sides to all the Bible. When you read a story in the Bible, it's telling you a story of what actually happened. It's telling you a real human story, and that's one level you read the Bible on. But there's also always a hidden agenda. There's another side to look at it. So you'll see all sorts of beautiful pictures of Jesus stirring, arising out of stories in the Bible. And it's the same with this. This is a simple love poem, a beautiful love poem, and so you can certainly read it as a, a marriage counselling guide if you want to. It's a, an honouring of sexual love. God is for sex. He designed it. He made it beautiful in its right context. So let's just state that quite clearly. The Christian view of sex is within marriage. That is between one man and one woman for life. And within that safe boundary, it is a beautiful and enhancing thing. However, you can also read this book in an allegorical way. Let me explain that. That means it's also a picture of Christ and his church, or Christ and the individual believer. And that's how I'm going to look at this. I'm not going to deal with the, the uh, human love side of things at all. You may be disappointed by that, or you may be relieved. I don't know. <laughs> According to your situation or whatever. Uh, but I'm going to talk about it in, in the allegorical sense. And I'm going to just run through um, quite a bit of this first chapter. Let's see how we go with time and everything else. And I'm going to go, and go through it verse by verse, and let's see what God can, can speak to us about. Starts with verse 2. She, she, this is the, the woman speaking to her beloved. It's me speaking to God. It's, it's us as a church speaking to God. And in my translation, the ESV, it says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Now, when you're reading the Bible, uh, you need the Holy Spirit to put feeling and, and uh, life into the words. And so there are all sorts of ways you could say that. Oh, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth if he really has to. <laughs> you know, if God really wants to draw near to me, okay, I'll tolerate it for a few moments. It's not like that. This is a, this is a cry of passion and desire. I, I prefer the older translations that says something like this. Oh, oh, that he would kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Oh, I can't get enough of you, God. I need you. I want you near me. That's the cry of this thing. And actually, all of our lives are going to be shaped by what we want, what we desire. The desire is the first thing you need in your life to get it right, to get your desires right. Now, there are all sorts of things we desire. Some of those are trivial things. Some of them are big things. Some of them are good things. Some of them are bad things. There's all sorts of things we desire. But let me tell you, the one thing that I want you to desire is Jesus Christ. And then you have to read on to find out why that is. Why on earth did this woman have this passionate cry for her beloved? And we read it on in verse one and verse two, three, and four. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me out after you. Let's run. We've had quite a lot of running this morning, which is rather lovely, isn't it? Choma was running in the worship. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. Therefore, the maiden loves you. Quickly, I'm going to just tell you three things about this beautiful person, Jesus, which hopefully will help you to desire him. 
His love is better than wine. His love is better than wine. Drugs, alcohol, <coughs> many of us resort to turn to those things. Some of you probably here this morning have had or are t- turning to those things to deaden your pain, to lift you out of the boredom of your life, all sorts of reasons. But the love of God is an intoxicating brew. <laughs> There's an old advert they used to say this, it was for Heineken, Heineken the beer. It said, Heineken reaches the parts other beers don't reach. It was a false advert because it, it's not true. Heineken is just like any other beer. It's not going to be any better than Carling or whatever else you want to drink. The love of Jesus reaches the parts beer can never reach. Amen. The love of Jesus can touch your heart and set you aflame. I commend to you the love of God. The first thing to know about Jesus is he loves you. Not some sentimental, trivial sort of statement of love. It's a blood-soaked love. It's a love of action. It's a love of covenant we've been talking about this morning. It's a love that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. It's a love that lays hold of your life and will not let you go. That's a love worth having, isn't it? Your anointing oils are fragrant. So you have this picture of the beloved dripping, dripping with oil, dripping with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus is like. Jesus is is dripping with the anointing of God. The very word Christ means the anointed one. Do you know what Jesus is anointed with? He's anointed with the oil of joy and gladness. Jesus, it says of Jesus that he was anointed above his fellows with joy and gladness. He was the happiest person you could ever meet. That's why people flocked to him. He was a man of sorrows. He grieved with those who were suffering as well. He was angry with sin and rebellion. But he was, most of all, he was a happy, happy person, overflowing in the delights of his father. One of the descriptions of the, bo- the gospel in 1 Timothy is the gospel... Um, The gospel is the gospel of the glory of the happy God. Did you know that God's happy? He's not stressed. He's not looking on the Ukraine war, thinking, oh no, what am I going to do? How am I going to sort this out? He's in control. He's grieved by sin. He's not rejoicing over evil things, but he's happy. Because over it all, his plan is working out. And the plan at the end of the Bible is, like in the Song of Songs, it's a marriage. It's all heading towards a marriage. The bride being married to the bridegroom. Fantastic. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Jesus has a name, a poured out name. A given name. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And when Jesus came, he gave everything he had to those who were needy and poor. He poured out his life for the poor, the afflicted, the oppressed, the sick. He poured out his life for sinners, people like you and me. He came to us. He did something about it. And then he hung on a cross and he poured out his own blood for you, for me, because he loved you. That's the sort of saviour he is. Wouldn't you like to love that person? Wouldn't you like to follow that sort of saviour? Wouldn't you like to find him and know him? Draw me out after you. Let us run. The king 
has brought me into his chambers. I love that. There's a thing about prayer. Some of these verses you need to think of that they're not all prayers. Some of them are reflections. I think this is a reflection. The person prays, says, God, draw me out after you. Let's run. And then suddenly something happens. God answers the prayer. His mouth mouth opens in awe and amazement. The king has brought me into his inner chambers. I hope you've experienced that. I hope you are experiencing that. I hope you experienced that this morning as you worship God. Suddenly God's here. God's in this place. I am in the inner chambers of the creator of the universe. That is amazing. So that first may be the first, your first, at this point you may be thinking, right, yeah, I haven't got much desire for Jesus yet, but um, I've got some, and I can see he's a beautiful person, but there is a problem. Because if Jesus is like that, that rules me out from the start. Because there's no way he's going to have me interested in the chambers. We had an interesting thing this morning. We turned up to set up this morning, and the whole building was locked up. The gates were locked up. <laughs> and I had a horrible feeling that they'd forgotten we were coming. <laughs> and we were going to be locked out this morning. Fortunately, Dante, our helper at the desk, you could thank him on your way out, was wandering around outside. He was locked out as well because, well, I won't say how it was, because there was a lateness in opening up the building, that's all. You are not locked out of intimacy with Jesus, whoever you are (coughs) this morning. And if you're thinking that, if you think you've blown it, if you think God could never care for you, then this is great news. Because the next part of the thing is exactly this. The, um, The lady has a problem. She says, yeah, you're amazing. But then, oh, she looks at herself and she says this, verse five. I am very dark, but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not gaze at me, because I'm dark. The sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keepers of the vineyard, but my own vineyard I have not kept. There's a problem. There's a problem here. There's a thing called sin. Now, please, just quickly, quickly, let me hasten to say one thing. This is not in any way a racist comment. This is not suggesting in any way that black people are sinful and white is good. No, no, not at all. In the, just think about moment for their culture. It's a Middle Eastern culture, so they were brown people anyway. But the, the, the posh, um, upper class, spoiled brats <laughs> who were living in palaces all day long, they were all pale because they kept out the sun. This woman is a working class girl. She's out in the fields. She's got burned by the sun. She's got darkened by the sun. So this is just using an image to show you of, of, of something of what she was experiencing. She's saying, in one sense, she's saying, I'm not worthy of you. You're a prince. You're a king. I am just a working class girl. But the deeper spiritual meaning is every one of us are sinful people. We have broken God's word We've broken his law, we've turned against him, we've refused him time and time again, and we are a failure. She has a sense of failure, doesn't she? She says, my own, they made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Even my own, um, 
My own commitment to Christ has failed. Even my own promises to God have broken down. I'm a failure. I'm shut out, surely. But no. But no. Because the, the, the lover does not stop there. Let me read you a, a verse from Romans. Romans 5, verse 8. God shows his love for us. How does he show his love for us? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The great statement of the gospel is Jesus knows the worst about you and he still went to the cross to die for you. I'm going to skip the next little bit. We're going to move on to verse 15. Desire. What are you longing for? This beautiful bridegroom, this beautiful saviour, this beautiful Christ. I want you, Lord, but, oh God, I'm a mess. But I hear these words of hope. God, Jesus died for me when I was a sinner. And suddenly, the bridegroom speaks. He speaks. And this is what he says to the, his, the, the, the woman. And he says it to us this morning. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. In a later part of the book, it says, Behold, you are beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. That's outrageous. How can that relate to me? How could God say that to me? Let me read on in Romans to you. Romans 5. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, that is legally set, uh, acquitted, declared not guilty by his blood, because Jesus died on the cross, you have legally been declared not guilty for everything you've done, if you want that. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. There's an anger of God against sin, which will be visited on us when we, when we die and go before his throne, unless we take shelter in Jesus. For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Now, there's two things about the cross. The first thing about the cross is the blood of Jesus cleanses me from what I've done wrong. It forgives me. It takes away my guilt. It washes me clean. Most of you know that. Most of you understand that. But that only makes us neutral. That only just washes away the bad. And we're just left in our normal, dull, dreary people. That we are. But God does something else on the cross. There's an exchange happening on the cross. Jesus takes our sin on the cross, but he then gives us his righteousness. So God can say that to you as a Christian. You are beautiful, my love. There's no flaw in you because you are covered with the beauty of Jesus Christ. That is what being a Christian is. And that should fill you with incredible delight. <laughs> and I just want to throw out a few just little verses just to finish off with um, along those lines. These, these are picked out of the, the rest of the book. The, the lover says this about Jesus. She says, with great delight, I sat in his shadow and his fruit was sweet to my taste. That's an experience that's not something dry and cold and mechanical. That's an experience of God. I, I personally find that when I'm praying almost always. 
With great delight, I sat in his shadow. And his fruit was sweet to my taste. You love me, Lord. You listen to my voice. Amazing. For some of you, you are already experiencing that. Great. And all I'm saying to you today really is enjoy it more. That's what you're meant to be doing as a Christian. Enjoying the grace of God. Sitting with great delight in his shadow. Some of you have maybe feeling a bit discouraged. You may, maybe you've, this has churned a different, distant memory in your, your heart. Yes, I used to know something of what you're saying this morning, but I, I'm not experiencing it now. Don't be discouraged. God can rekindle that, rekindle that. Listen to this from the Song of Songs. You have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes. God is so gracious. Even one glance of your eyes captivates God. Even one turning to him for a moment, one prayer, one cry, one looking at his word, one reaching out of your heart towards God. God is delighted in it. And so I want to really encourage you, if you don't feel you're knowing much of this, then be encouraged. God wants you to know more. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you have no clue what I'm talking about, then the, tr- the, prom- the, the, ob- the obvious answer is you've never really met this beautiful Saviour. And you can. You can meet him, even this morning. But certainly as you come among us at our different meetings, as you gather with the people of God, this is where God dwells, the church. God is the dwelling place of the church, is the dwelling place of God. So when, you, when we have our gatherings, it's an opportunity to meet God. Now I want you, I want you to, I'm not, I don't want to just talk about this this morning. I want you to experience something of this this morning. I'm believing God that he is going to come upon some of us, hopefully all of us, with his Holy Spirit this morning and set our hearts ablaze. And I'm going to do that in a slightly unway, a strange way. Strange thing about the, the Bible is the Psalms, for instance, are songs. They're not just theological treatises. And this is the song of songs. So it's not just a poem, it's a song. I'm going to sing some version, well, it's a, it's a modified version of these first few verses of this song. I want you to be open to God right now. Right, you close your eyes, open your eyes, whatever you want to do. I want you to have a sort of attitude of prayer, openness to God. Maybe there'll be one phrase in this song, one little idea, one image that will catch your heart, and that's an opportunity for you just to reach out to God right now and say, oh God, I want that to be true of me. So you do what you, do what you want, respond as you want to. I'm just going to sing these words to you. Oh, that you would kiss me With the kisses of your mouth Oh, that you would kiss me With the kisses of your mouth Oh, that your tiny word would come to my soul. Draw close, oh Lord. Draw close, oh Lord, I need you. For your love is better than wine and far more intoxicating. Come ravish my heart again into ecstasy, translating. Oh, that you would kiss me 
with the kisses of your mouth. Oh, that you would kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. Oh, that your timely word would come to my soul. Draw close, O oh Lord. Draw close, O oh Lord. I need you. Your anointing oils are fragrant with the perfume of your presence. Come fill me again, sweet spirit. May my worship be as incense. Oh, that you would kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. Oh, that you would kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. Oh, that your tiny word would come to my soul.